Welcome to the Josie Bass podcast series. We take listeners beyond the printed page where our authors reveal what motivates and inspires them to write about their groundbreaking ideas. This is Karen Murphy at Josie Bass, and today I'm speaking with Jennifer Ocker and Andy Smith, the authors of The Dragonfly Effect, Quick, Effective, and Powerful Ways to Use Social Media to Drive Social Change. A social psychologist and marketer, Jennifer Ocker is the General Atlantic Professor of Marketing at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. Her research focuses on time, money, and happiness, and how small acts create significant change fueled by social media. Her work has been featured in a variety of media, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Business Week, Forbes, and NPR, as well as CBS Money Watch. Andy Smith is principal of Vona Vona Ventures, where he advises companies on marketing, customer strategy, and operations. Over the past 20 years, he has served as a high-tech executive leading teams at Dolby Labs, Big Words, Liquid Wit, Intel, Analysis Group, Polaroid, and PricewaterhouseCoopers. Well, welcome, guys. Welcome, Jennifer and Andy. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's great to be here. I should say you are also husband and wife, so this is quite the partnership, and (laughs) you've created quite the ecosystem here. So tell me, in a few words, what is the dragonfly effect? The dragonfly effect is a model that taps concepts from social media, marketing strategy, and consumer psychology to help people achieve a single concrete goal. We named it after the dragonfly, an insect that is rather unique in that it can move in any direction and even hover when its four wings are working together in harmony. So not coincidentally, our model has four elements that map to the wings of the dragonfly, and they work together to help breeders produce colossal change. And this change can take a lot of different forms. It can take the form of, of social good, of improving employee morale, or of increasing customer loyalty. People often ask us, why is it called the dragonfly effect? And we we were inspired by this concept of the butterfly effect, which is this idea that a butterfly flapping its wings somewhere across the world can affect the weather in a different part of the world. And we we like that as a a metaphor for, for how a small act can create a big change. Andy, can you define the four wings of the model? We, we talked about the four wings on the dragonfly, the four wings of the model. What are they, and, and how do they come together? Sure. first wing is focus. It is what's the plan, what's the single goal, and how you know if you're making progress at that single goal. And that moves on to the next wing. The next wing is what we call grab attention. And think of it, the paraphrase for that is think of it as made you look. What is it that took your attention away from whatever you were previously paying attention to and and put it on this new effort? And because, you know, that attention is fleeting, the next stage is is what we call engaged. This is about storytelling. This is about making people care. And it's a necessary next step in order to get an effective an effective program launched. It takes people through the story of of whatever your cause or effort is and actually takes them across the finish line of individually clicking, contributing, purchasing, whatever it is, which is normally maps to a conversion activity from a marketing perspective. And of those people who do end up converting, there will be some who want to do even more. And for them, there's the fourth wing, which we call take action. And that's where you take all the things that got your audience through those first three steps and redeploy it on their behalf, giving them the tools to essentially take on your effort as if it was their own. So if you had um, some templates or tools, you'd give them to these new volunteers. If it was the matter of uh, raising uh, donations for a bone marrow match, you allow people to hold their own bone marrow drives. That's what taking action is about, and that's the part that really benefits from, from the social web. 
And tell me, what inspired you to create this movement or ecosystem as it's become? Yeah, there were three points of inspiration. Uh, the first was Andy's experience in marketing and harnessing the social media for brand building. The second was a stream of research that I've done with some of my colleagues on happiness, what drives people's happiness isn't always what they think drives their happiness. And uh, the third inspiration point was a story that was told to us by Robert Shalwani. It was a story about his 32-year-old best friend who was faced with leukemia and with the efforts of Samir Bhatia's friends and family, including Robert, they managed to get 24,611 Southeast Asian individuals into the bone marrow registry in just 11 weeks by harnessing social media along with more traditional marketing means. And this story was so impactful, I think, both to Andy and I, that it led to a case that we wrote on using social media to save lives, and that led to a class that I taught at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and in that class, we try and arm students with the tools and frameworks to essentially self-empower, to drive businesses with a social good goal at the end of it, and it's been incredibly rewarding to see the students develop those skills and, and then basically develop their own little businesses with the Dragonfly model behind it. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that class, too, and the unique students and experts that you have coming in that have contributed to the book as well and the movement as well, how it's grown? Sure. The students are trained by faculty and individuals at the Stanford D School, as well as IDEO. And so human-centered design is at the base of the class. Rapid prototyping is also a key tenet in the class, how to move forward rapidly testing and evaluating social media campaigns quickly. The second sort of theme that goes through the class is storytelling. So the students are also trained by storytellers at Pixar and Duarte Designs to both understand how to tell stories and also how to visually depict those stories. And then the students are trained by social media experts, everyone from Robert Scoble to Dave McClure to Louis Glemer to Randy Zuckerberg and MC Hammer. These individuals come into the class and mentor and tutor the students, getting them up to speed on social media so that they can become incredibly effective. And the course demonstrates that I think not only are people right now clamoring for ways to use a social web for good, but there's also a framework, a model that is repeatable and that can help people achieve their goals quickly. So we wanted to share that model with as many people as possible through the book and the Dragonfly community site, and we're excited to see what can be achieved with even more people playing around with that model and those tools. Well, that brings up an interesting point. There are a lot of books out there that already talk about how to use social media. How is yours different? <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of books out there, a lot of how-to books on the mechanics of Facebook or Twitter and YouTube, and all of them are really excellent for what they are. But, you know, and we've even seen some of these books applied to how you use them for your business. But we've never seen anything that actually draws together all these different elements that show how you can use the social web to really make a difference. Our whole thing is that between the dragonfly effect is that you tap social media and you tap social web as well as insights from consumer psychology and aim it at a single concrete goal that has at its core a mission and something that people beyond your organization, beyond yourself, can believe in and get involved in. To that end, we walk readers through 
elements of the Obama campaign and how they were the first presidential campaign to seriously leverage the social web and use it to create political change. We also go and look at Kiva and how they managed to get people to support entrepreneurs in the developing world through a web platform and allows these individual entrepreneurs to tell their own stories and why they need the money and how they can help themselves out of their situation by uh, even the smallest contribution is $25. We also have the opportunity to look at how people can do something as serious as fight cancer using the social web. So that's what we see as unique. Not something completely unknown and unseen before in a book, but the combination aimed towards a particular goal and effectiveness is what we see as being unique. And there are a lot of amazing stories and case studies in this book, and you've mentioned a lot of them, the Obama campaign and Kiva, microloans, a lot of nonprofits and organizations such as Building Bone Marrow Registries and Alex's Lemonade Stand. What are some corporate examples, too? What are some practical business applications taking this out of just the cause realm, if you will? Sure. Well, they're pretty much everywhere you look, and it's big brands that are doing it, too. We've got Starbucks embrace the fair trade method of growing coffee. We've got Gap, who's uh, created a program called Give and Get, which uh, enables shoppers and uh, to participate both in discounts and uh, give back to charities they believe in. And eBay has their section called World of Good, which brings handcrafts from the developing world and lets individual entrepreneurs in those countries actually participate and sell their own wares to people around the world without having to go through a series of middlemen. So, Andy, those are all great examples and companies we all know, but tell us a little bit more about these efforts with Starbucks or Gap. Are these social contracts, or do these create customer loyalty? They actually speak right to the heart of brand, really. When Howard Schultz created Starbucks, he created with a very high-minded goal in place to make Starbucks the third place. You have home, you have work, and you have this third place. Then he wanted that place to be Starbucks. But somewhere in the mid-2000s, Starbucks sort of lost that place. It became just a place to pick up your expensive coffee. In addition to that, they started to get criticized for, because of their very scale, for the conditions of things that were, to them, beyond their control, the conditions in particular of people making coffee, of growing the beans. And so the fair trade movement was an effort of Starbucks to actually go and take more responsibility, to use their power and their leverage to embrace their brand values and re-encircle their business with things that they believed in and then make them customer-facing. Because increasingly what we're seeing in this world of the social web is there's no inside the company and outside the company. It's all outside. And if you've got a good mission, it's a great tool to share with your customers and your employees in a way to drive loyalty. And that's, then that's what they do with, with fair trade. They made part of their process for acquiring their fundamental ingredient something that they could talk about and how it supports their broader mission. And they heard customer feedback. They made their constituency, their consumers feel heard and feel engaged in the process and offered transparency too. What do you mean or define for us a little bit the ripple effect or emotional contagion, which are two key themes that recur through all of these examples and all of these organizations? Yeah, so the ripple effect refers to this idea that a small act can create a big change, either now or longitudinally over time. So what's interesting here is that when the action epicenter of the ripple effect is based on deep meaning or something you believe at your core will make you happy or others happy, uh, a multiplier effect can, can happen because of principles of emotional contagion. 
So what emotional contagion is, is a tendency to feel emotions similar to and otherwise be influenced by the emotions of others. So, for example, Karen, if you're feeling very happy right now, the chance that others around you might start to feel that emotion and also become strongly energized and mobilized indeed occurs. This is research done by John Cassiopo and others. And so the fact that, for example, a small act that you might want to create could bring big change is exacerbated by this idea that your act was done with an element of happiness or meaning at the at the core of it. I think it underscores the potential for organizations of all types to really create social good, which is often tied to happiness and meaning when they're trying to capture the imagination of their employees, as Andy was saying in the Starbucks example, or their customers, as in the uh, gap given get example. And do you want to talk a little bit more about storytelling in the dragonfly effect? You mentioned it in the class and how it plays an important part, but do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about social media is that it's the only type of marketing that you can get and spread for free, essentially. And so the question is, what types of information are spread by others? And the reality is that stories often spread. In fact, people aren't really persuaded by facts and figures as much as they are personal connection and stories. And so the art of storytelling becomes a really important part of the dragonfly effect. I'll tell you a a quick anecdote about one study that was done by Deb Small and some of her colleagues. They took college students and invited them to come to a study ostensibly about new technology. And when these students were finished with the study, the testers gave them $5 in $1 bills as well as a letter from Save the Children saying thank you for the participation. And then half of these students got a letter with statistics from Save the Children, and the other half got a story about a young girl named Rokia with her family. And in this story, Rokia was facing starvation, and unless she received help, she very well may die. And that story, which was given to these students in the experiment, had a dramatic effect on how much people ended up donating back To the tester, the people in the story condition gave twice as much money as the people in the factual condition. And this example is not only a really robust effect, but it it also underscores why people give, why people act, why people mobilize. They, They mobilize based on stories. And so in the class... We train students to think about the art of storytelling and, and underscore what makes a really good story, which is a time-tested structure like a story arc, a three-part story, for example, telling details, having emotion, having a component of deep truth and meaning in the story. And I think that skill set really lasts with the students. It doesn't matter if they're going to run a nonprofit, a for-profit, be a CEO or uh, apparent storytelling becomes really a, an important role to play when you mobilize others. Very nice. Well, I think we're just about out of time, but thank you both very much for your time today. I should say that this is getting incredible buzz, no no pun intended already. Uh, Daniel Pink said, the dragonfly effect is the single best roadmap to social media I have ever seen. And Cheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, said, the dragonfly effect is actionable, credible, and absolutely necessary for anyone looking to use social media and Facebook to drive social good. And listeners can also go to your website, www.dragonflyeffect.com, to tell their own stories and learn more about the model and ways to drive social good and change in their own lives. Thank you both again. Thank you.
To find out more about this title and all Josie Bass publications, please visit www.josiebass.com. That's J-O-S-S-E-Y-B-A-S-S dot com.